This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lindor struggling. I'm not going to sit here and defend it. He did hit a big home run that got forgotten about in the first game of the doubleheader, and he does have 24 RBIs, which is good, but his average is way low. His on-base is way low. He's Look, what is Francisco Lindor? I assume his numbers will continue to improve from what we've seen so far. This is exactly what he did last year, by the way. I just want to remind everybody when they said that he was the biggest bust come to New York, and then he turned into a, you know, he wasn't an MVP caliber, but he had, what, how many 100-plus RBIs? So we feel good in general that Lindor will be comparable to what he was last year. No doubt. Right? 100%. Okay. Jeff McNeil, I don't know if he's going to win the batting title. Um, I think Jeff McNeil is going to be fine. Okay? So I, I think what I'm trying to explain so far is why I don't feel awful about the offense. Mark Canna uh, is what he is. Brandon Nimmo is fine despite the stolen base threat, uh, stolen base issue. My only real concern, and we'll get to DH, Vogelback is what he is. I think eventually he's going to be replaced. I think that eventually Vientos will come up and be the DH against left-handed pitching, and we'll see if he can make that jump or he's a quadruple-A player, or Ronnie Mauricio gets that shot. My concern is Starling Marte. That's my concern. The rest of that offense, I think I went through, like, I'm not saying this is going to be murderer's row. I'm not even saying they're the Atlanta Braves. That's not the weakness of this team. That's not the thing that's holding it back. Up until, I think, the uh, doubleheader. I'm sorry. Up until the finale of that three-game series on Thursday, they were about four and a half runs a game. Like, I'm not saying that's the most amazing thing in the world. It's not the worst. They've just been shut out way too many times where it seems all or nothing. I think those kinds of things would even out. My concern is Marte for this reason. Is he healthy? Is he healthy? Like, is Starling Marte's bad defense in right field, and it's been bad, his 227 average, his inability to hit curveballs, is that related to not being healthy? I don't know. Now, one option I have, and you want to talk about a win-win, I'm going to give you a win-win right now. I'm going to give everybody a win-win. Who's going to say no to this idea? You tell Starling, look, you're better than this. We think you're hurt. We're going to put you on the IL. Right? Two weeks, just rest up. Get your body in shape. Job's waiting for you when you get back. We love you. We're going to put you on the IL because you don't look right. You don't look right defensively. You don't look right offensively. You're going on the IL. And the guy you call up is Ronnie Mauricio to play second base. He's been playing at a AAA. And it's short-term. Like, it's a short-term thing. Like, you're not up here forever. 
You're up here to play second base. Jeff McNeil's going to play right field. We want to give Marte a blow. And let's see what the kid's got. If he tears the cover off the ball, don't worry. We'll find the place for you. Probably DH. And then Starling comes back, and hopefully that rest helps him. So it's an option. I Obviously, you got to talk to Marte, and he could swear up and down he's healthy, and maybe you don't do it. But when I look at this lineup right now, and I can't deny they got shut out in the finale of this series. They did nothing in the second game of the doubleheader. They've been shut out six times this year. I get it. I'm just looking at the talent that's there. And that's where my optimism comes from. Because I see who's in the lineup. My negativity to the rotation is for the exact same reason. Because I see who's there. Because I see Tyler McGill and Joey Lucchese. And they're afraid to pitch Kodai Senga for some reason. And Scherzer looks cooked. And so I'm seeing the road. And oh, don't worry. Carlos Carrasco's coming back. Great. What the hell is he? Like, I look at the rotation and I, I'm fearful. The bullpen's been mostly good. Bullpens are up and down. So who the hell knows, right? <laughs> David Robertson is freaking, uh, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of the best. Mariano Rivera in his prime. Adam Adovino, his last three games, he sucks. Who knows? The rotation scares me based on who's in it and what I've seen. I don't feel as awful about the lineup as it seems like a majority of Met fans feel. I think this team will score runs. They have. They've just been inconsistent. But I actually think the best is yet to come because of Alvarez and Beatty and Lindor getting hot. I 100% agree with you. I'm actually fine with this offense because I think that you where you just called out that Vientos is eventually going to come up sooner than later and so is Mauricio. I think by June 1st they both have to be here. And I got to be honest the one thing that I'm going to say that's going to piss you off and maybe some other people off too is you have a surplus of guys that are one dimensional and that's got to change. You have Guillerme, you have Nito, you have Kana and LaCastro's not back yet but if he does come back and Vogelback they basically have one ability, and that's not good enough anymore. So you have to you have to minimize those five guys. You have to cut them in half. Two or three of those guys have to go, and that's where Mauricio and Vientos are going to get the call, and they're going to be able to play the field. Listen, you want to worry, worry, worry about the shortstop position because Guillaume, well, what about Guillaume? He's the, he's the only guy who plays shortstop. Well, you have Mauricio. He could do that. Yeah, no, I and we have talked about that before. I think Mauricio is going to make Luis Guillorme very expendable because he just doesn't give you anything offensively. He's great defensively. I think we all know that. But that, that, that may not be enough. That may not be enough to remain on the roster. The, the, the concern I have on the pitching end of things, and this kind of relates to the bullpen, and hopefully this can kind of start with Verlander now that he'll have a turn underneath his belt is they got to get innings from these guys. It is so deeply concerning how they don't get innings from their starting pitching. They have played 32 games now this season. They have only had five starts of the 32 in which the starting pitcher has pitched six innings. That that used to be like the joke about DeGrom, as Craig used to make, called him the six-inning man, and it was derogatory. Now we're looking for six innings, and they've only had five starts this entire season that have gone six innings or more. And by the way, nobody's done it twice. How about that? The five 
starts are all by different guys. No one's done it multiple times. David Peterson did it once. Joey Lucchese did it once. Kodai Senga did it once. Tyler McGill did it once. And Max Scherzer did it once on opening day. That was the only time he did it. And so it's concerning because you're going to run your bullpen into the ground. Now, they've gone through a lot of different guys in their bullpen. In fact, they just signed Dominic Leone, who's had some pretty good bullpen years in his career, former San Francisco Giant. But it's not sustainable to get four innings out of your starters on a nightly basis. And, and oh, by the way, they haven't been effective. They, they just haven't. I mean, you look at this rotation right now, and it is a problem. Lucchese's made three starts. Who knows what to expect? Tyler McGill is the definition of a back of the rotation arm. He is. That's how he's pitched. Low four ERA, five quality innings. That's what he is. Kodai Sanger remains a mystery because the Mets are afraid of him. The Mets are afraid to pitch him too frequently. I'd be really curious to see how he pitches Friday night against Colorado only because he hasn't pitched in a month and a half. I mean, I almost forgot Kodai Sanger was on the team. They've been hiding him so much. And then obviously the Aces, who I really think is the key to this whole thing. Last year when the Mets bowed out to the Padres and they didn't hand, they did a lot of things wrong. The thing that jumped out at me and I said it to you, I said it to everybody on the Rico was what was supposed to make the Mets different was Ver, uh, Scherzer and DeGrom. And they did not pitch well enough, specifically Scherzer. What makes the Mets good, unique, special was having two hall of famers at the top of their rotation. One of which is a major concern as we've talked about. And the other one finally made his debut. And that needs to be a constant at the beginning of the season. We talked about all the starts they could skip of Max Scherzer and Verlander because they needed to keep them fresh. Well, they've barely pitched. They haven't been effective. Really Max hasn't been effective and they got to win games. We can't take making the playoffs for granted. You know, 81 wins doesn't get you into the playoffs. 88 wins, probably. 87 wins, probably. We'll see. But you got to win games. So they have a series coming up against Colorado. The streak will continue. A streak I've talked about on the pod where they face a lefty in every single series. They've done that all year long. And that will continue on Saturday when they take on Austin Gomber. The key to the Nolan Arenado trade. Boy, that really worked out well for you, dummies. But the Mets take on the Rockies. And the Rockies are hot. Didn't they just sweep the Milwaukee Brewers, Pete? Like, what the hell's going on? The Red Hot Rocks. Uh, yeah. We just talked about that. Uh, we made me, me and uh, on a side note, me and Evan has been uh, making some offseason, some, some trades during the uh, fantasy baseball season. And I kind of, uh, we've gotten a little bit mixed and match, and I kind of screwed Evan with the, one of those moves with the Brewers. Well, yeah, he traded me a reliever for the Milwaukee Brewers named uh, Peach Frizlecki, who pitched really well. And I traded for him, didn't give up a lot, no big deal. And his first two bullpen appearances was him literally taking a dump on the field. <laughs> like, that's that's how his career on my fantasy team began. And, and we also made a blockbuster, and there's a lot of pieces involved. But he got Nolan Arenado. I got Trey Turner. Both guys have sucked. And the throw-in was Max Scherzer. And so he makes his debut for Team Evan, and he <laughs> took a dump. I mean, it's like all you're doing is trading me lemons, Pete. What's going on? You're, you're welcome. Uh, but I really want to throw something out there, and this is going to be a bold statement, and it's maybe a little too soon here. 
we have yet to really criticize one man on this uh, podcast. <clears throat> His name is Billy Epler. Okay, and I'm going to throw throw fire at this guy right now. Go ahead. The his two years here, it seems like it's all set up for one move and one move only, which is Shohei Otani. Which I got to be honest, I'm not a hundred percent sure that he's going to be here next year. And if that's the case, because with all these one offs, with the Quintanas, with the Verlanders and the Scherzers, if Billy Epler does not secure. Shohei Otani here next year, I think he should be fired. I'm sorry. Well, I, I disagree with your premise on one thing. Um, I think that their philosophy of signing veteran pitchers to short-term deals, because they don't have pitching. They don't have young pitching that's ready to step in. So it was kind of a necessity. I think was really based on who was available. Like if you look at the last two years of free agency, and obviously DeGrom getting the free agency and what they had on the roster. I think their plan all along has been, let's sign these big arms to short-term deals, only short-term deals. That's what they offered DeGrom. And kind of buy your way until either you develop starting pitchers, none are on the horizon, or buy other starting pitchers. Because there are guys available in the next two, three years, like Max Fried, like Shane Bieber, like Corbin Burns, like Julio Urias, which is actually coming up this year, that are really good. And so I think the plan around the pitching has been more about, yeah, we're buying them for a short period of time. We hope they have something left, but then we're going to buy others in a year or two when these guys come off the books. And I don't think it's like the worst plan in the world because, look, if I could go into a time machine, Pete, I would have re-signed Zach Wheeler. And I think we all would have. Unfortunately, it was different ownership. And then I would have re-signed DeGrom. And my two aces would have been Zach Wheeler and Jacob DeGrom, who I think emotionally we've, we would have dealt with their struggles better than Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander, two guys that have done nothing for us. We can't go into that time machine. Steve Cohen can't go into that time machine. He's not the reason Zach Wheeler isn't here. So I think because of where this rotation was set up, they kind of had to do the short-term big-money deals. And luckily, and I'll say it again, there are guys available in the next year and two years and three years that just replace these guys once they're out the door. So I don't think this is like all about Otani. Yeah, they want to go after Otani. Who wouldn't want to go after Otani? He fills two holes. But the the mechanism or the strategy that they've had over the last few years, while it may not be working right now, was not flawed. Let's buy guys on short-term deals, and then we'll buy other guys when these contracts expire. And I totally get that, and I totally understand that, and I'm not against all of it, but I will then look at the offense where we, you and I just basically said, like, I'm not totally concerned, but there's like five guys in this roster who are basically, you know, dispensable. You can just throw them away, and it's all good. Like Kana, Escobar, Vogelback, you can get the hell out of here, bro. Seriously, I, I, I'm kind of getting a little tired but, but of all Pete, these guys. The most exciting part about this team moving forward, like I'm talking about prospects. No, the prospects. No, but it's the core of offensive players that they have. Like, assuming they keep Alonzo and they sign him, he's here for the next decade. Jeff McNeil next decade. Francisco Lindor next decade. Brett Beatty next decade. Francisco Lindor. Like, they've got six of nine positions. You would say confidently, like, wow, that could be locked up for a long time. First base, second base, shortstop, third base, center field. And if Alvarez is any good, catcher. So 
that's what they're building around the core of position players. The pitching obviously is in flux, but we knew that going in. But again, and I don't want to go make this about one specific, like, oh, one big bat's all they needed. But on the other hand, it's like they're still missing that piece. And they're they're going for these this, these one-off pitchers, and they didn't look at the offense at all. And then next year, we're going to have this Otani, hopefully, thing. Yeah, that but we stop with the next year thing. I don't want to think about next year. I, in the middle I of know. this year. I, I know. But the problem, and, and Evan, I apologize. I do this a lot. Because I look at the big picture, sometimes I take a step back and go, "What are we doing?" I understand the rookies. They're trying are to be win good, this year, but they did a bad job. They signed the Justin track. Verlander to replace Jacob Degrom on a short-term deal to win this year. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to win this year. Is it working? Not right no, now. It's not. I'm not confident. <laughs> it's not. Well, Listen, look. And- <laughs> a week and a half ago, when the Mets was seven and one on the West Coast trip, we were all giddy, feeling good. They have played bad baseball, and they've played bad baseball for a stretch that they haven't done since 2021. This stretch of games that they've just had, where they lost the last two to the Giants, two out of three to Washington, two out of three to Atlanta, and all three to Detroit, is the worst stretch of baseball they've had since 2021. Now, what they've got to do is clean it up, and I think they're better than this. Like. I emotionally with Craig on the air today or Thursday, I said, they're not winning the division. And I feel that way because the Braves feel a lot better than us. They do. They're six games up and they just talent wise, whether it's the lineup or it's the rotate, they're a lot better. They feel like a better team. That doesn't mean this team stinks and let's pack it up and go home. It means they got to clean it up. And I think they're better than this. I don't think the Mets are a 500 team. And again, they've got games coming up that they've got to start taking advantage of. Colorado, Cincinnati, Washington, they got to win these freaking games, and they got to get above 500. Luckily, we live in a world now where a million teams make the playoffs. So falling behind Atlanta by six games, as much as it sucks, is not a death knell. It does not mean the season is over and let's go home. This isn't 1988 anymore or 1985 anymore where there's only two divisions. And that's the only two teams that make the playoffs. You said I'll leave it on this note. You that that'll be it for me. I'll be done for the day. You said eight and five was this road trip. I think you said eight and five would be. Acceptable. I said over the thirteen games against bad teams, I'd like to see them go eight and five. What do they have to do now? <laughs> they got to go eight and two. You know what? They, go do it. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I'm not confident they're going to do it, but go do it. Colorado, Cincinnati, Washington. Go do it. You know who they play after that, by the way? Uh, the Tampa know. Bay Rays. <laughs> Zach Eflin. Jeez. Yeah, hopefully they'll cool off by then. Oh, Anyhow, no. it's been a rough couple of days. Keep your chin up. The season isn't over. We'll give you some more Rico Bronias maybe throughout the weekend, but definitely after the series ends against the Colorado Rockies. Uh, it's not over yet. It may feel like it is, but it's only May. Thanks for listening and downloading Rico Bronia. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.